Awesome, man. So we're good to go. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, brother. Um, I meant to, <laughs> I meant to ask you this before. How'd the uh, dinner date go? Well, no, it was supposed to be tonight. And I feel like this is, this is so abundant in culture today. I don't know if this happens with you where it's like, Hey, I, I can't make it for some reason. And I'm just like, all right, forget it. So <laughs> nothing is going on. Nothing, uh, nothing fun or exciting. I, you know, sorry, I don't have an awesome story or anything. <laughs> no, it's awesome. All right. I was just curious. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, so you obviously have a, you know, very diverse career in, uh, you know, broadcasting. Um, let's just take it from the very beginning. Was this something that you were always interested in doing? Cause I saw that, you know, on your, your bio, on your website, check out your website. I said, you're a voice actor. And I'm like, I don't know what that really means, but talking to you right now, I, I could tell why you got a good voice. Thanks man. You know, I, people have said that to me before, uh, but it's, I mean, it's pretty simple what it is is any any advertisement you're on the radio or TV or everywhere, like it's a voice actor and you could tell when it's not. Because every now and again, I'll hear an, an ad on Sirius and it's the, or, or, you know, or an FM radio. And it's like the CEO of the company and he's like a super thick accent. He doesn't have a good voice. And it's like, yeah. why wouldn't you just pay the extra money to have someone who's, who's decent at this? Um, so anyway, yeah, I guess where I started and, and how I got into it was, I was always uh, into music. My, like my dream was to create music really, or be some type of music producer. It, it wasn't radio at all. Uh, and when I went to college, I went to Hofstra University, and I didn't even know what I wanted to go for necessarily. And this is the truth about what happened. It's not to say like, I'm just being honest. I am not like a, uh, a braggadocious type of guy. This is just the truth. Uh, I was working at Tower Records at the time, and I would make conversation with customers and stuff. And suddenly customers would go, you have a really good voice. You should think of doing radio or, or you know. And it was like once or twice, and I'm just like, whatever. I didn't really think anything of it. But then it would happen again and again and again. It was becoming like an everyday thing. And, and I figured, okay, maybe this is something I should actually do. And plus, Hofstra had a really good radio program. They've like number one Princeton review radio program. So it all kind of worked out that way. I mean, and it all ties into music. I mean, I started doing music radio there. I, I was doing a metal radio show called The Aggressive Edge. Um, and everything really caught on there. I, I was getting listeners from all over Long Island. We, we actually had, uh, this is crazy, we had listeners in a prison that was nearby. And I would get calls from a prison. They were like, you're getting us through, bro. Play some Pantera, play some Megadeth or something. And uh, yeah, I would get like fan mail and stuff every now and again. And I figured, wow, this is actually really catching on. So it just went from there. It went to like, Bangoria and then Sirius and podcasting and all this different stuff. So that's that's really the uh, the gist of it. And the funny thing is, when people were saying, "Oh, you have a good voice, you should do radio," I sounded way more Long Island at that time. I really did. I like I sounded very New York, but I guess people heard it through and you know saw through that. And over the years, I don't even think it, it's so much that I tried to. I mean, maybe because I was in radio, but just that accent kind of went away. And and now I. I kind of, I think I kind of sound like I could be from anywhere, but every now and again, I sound a little long. Maybe the, the radio took the, the New York out of you, I guess. Yeah. And, and it's also like, if you want, if you want to get ahead, uh, there are exceptions to the rule because there are great radio hosts that like are legendary that everyone knows who have really thick accents. Those are kind of the exceptions, but for the most part, like if you want to be good at this medium, uh, especially voice acting, you, you have to have like that neutral, accent that could go over whether it's in South Dakota or here in New York. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, so this was back when you were doing, how old were you when you were doing this radio? Start, you first well, started out. Yeah, I mean, it was when I went to college. So the first year of college, I was at Temple University in Philadelphia. They didn't really have a radio program. Uh, and I was, I was interested in it then, but they were like in the initial stages of maybe setting something up. I have no idea if they ever even did. Uh, so I, that was my first year of college and then I transferred to Hofstra. So I was really 19, 20, uh, and it's doing the show with Chris Caranto. He always says like, Oh, I feel like an old man, but this is dating me. And that's 2006. That's awesome, man. How did, uh, you and him come to me? Cause I was looking, I was looking at, um, battle line podcast. I had no idea. He was like a, he was at Benghazi when that yeah. happened. That's crazy. 
Yeah, during the the attack in Benghazi, well, after the aftermath, the thing is those guys had no, there's a lot of Navy SEALs who write books, as you know, and they want to be like a public figure. They want to be this well-known person. Those guys didn't have aspirations to do that, to like write a book or have a movie made about them. They just got thrown into the spotlight when all of that happened because uh, there'd be a lot to go into, but I think a lot of those guys put the blame on the Obama administration for for one, leaving them out there, and then for also their identities coming out there. So they figured, all right, we have to get the real story out there. So they they wrote the book 13 Hours, and when they wrote the book 13 Hours, they were doing a lot of press. I was working on Andrew Wilkow's show at the time, and so they would, the Sirius XM building is right across from the Fox News building. So they'd go, you know, Fox News to do a hit somewhere with someone like Sean Hannity, and then walk across the street to Sirius XM to do radio shows like Andrew Wilkow's. Uh, and I was working with Brandon Webb separately at the time, Navy SEAL Brandon Webb at Soprep and, and Jack Murphy, who's an Army Ranger. But like my main job was Sirius XM and they came in to do an appearance with him. And, and Chris was just, he was with one of the other guys and I honestly don't even remember which one it was. It may have been Oz, it may have been Teg, I really don't remember. Uh, and neither does he, because they did so much press. Uh, but Chris and I really just hit it off because he's just such a genuine guy. And all these years later, we're still friends. The, the idea for the show, though, came about really crazy is that when I quit Sofrep, uh, our friend who was a colleague of mine there, Drew Dwyer, who is former CIA and also a Marine, uh, unfortunately died. And I was the first person to get the call from a guy from the NYPD because he was trying to track down his wife and I had her number. So when I got the news, I called Chris and I said, hey, man, our friend Drew Dwyer unfortunately passed away. Um, And while we were on the phone, like after talking about this, I just said, by the way, I don't know if you know, but I'm no longer with SOPRAP. I'm just doing other things. And he he was like, why don't we start a show, dude? And and a year later, we did. That's awesome. And I was going to say, it seemed like a, a pretty interesting dynamic. Yeah, yeah, he he's a great guy. He's a really smart guy, and also you know writing three books and and has a huge fan base. So it just seemed like a no brainer. And and of course also have a co host on a radio show or a podcast. You really have to get along with who you're doing the show with because it's like a marriage, man. You 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 spend a lot of time with that person, even if it's virtually, like you and I are. Yeah. And even though, you know, we don't agree on everything, but more, most importantly is you have to be able to, to like really get along with the person and like the person, I think, for it to be successful. There's so many shows that implode. So I, I don't see that happening with us because we like for, for one, he's just he always like puts a smile on my face. He's always got something funny to say. Uh, so like I enjoy do, doing it with him, doing the show with him. And, and hopefully he feels the same way. So that's awesome, man. That's really cool. I was just saying, it just seemed like such a super, you know, interesting dynamic just, you know, with, that, with you know, Chris on the show like that. Um, what do you think is your favorite part about podcasting? I think it's just the people I get to interview. Like when I look back on some of the people I've interviewed, it's mind blowing to me. Uh, like over the years, the, the names are just, or, you know, when I worked on Andrew's show, helping to like produce the show and booking these big level, level names, um, you know, but the people I've interviewed off the top of my head that like, I will always remember Alex Jones, Roger Stone, uh, Buzz Aldrin, one of the first men to walk on the moon, Andrew WK, uh, I'm a fan of his, and even just like people I nerd out about that aren't necessarily, you know, he, the biggest names, right. um, like Frankie Palmieri from Amur. I mean, he's big in his own right, but like, I'm, I'm a nerd for for like different types of music. So the fact that I get to talk to these guys is mind blowing for me. So yeah, I, I just, I love conversation and, um, you know, talking to talk to interesting people. Yeah. I think that's kind of one of the coolest parts about it, honestly. Um, just to, you know, piggyback off what you just said. I mean, it's the, the meeting people, it's just, it's, it's cool. You know, you can't really, it's just a way, you know, a way in, you know, to be able to get your foot in the door and talk to people who you otherwise wouldn't be able to do, you know, talk to. It's, it's a cool platform. It's by far my favorite, you know, social media platform, you know, podcast, I'm listening to nonstop. Um, but it's, it's cool, man. I mean, I'm a, I'm a guppy compared to, you know, you guys or a lot of other, you know, big podcasts out there, but 
I mean, this is going to, we spoke about this before the show. This is going to be our 27th episode, I believe. That's awesome. Um, yeah, but it's very, very small compared to, you know, you guys or anybody else. But I agree. I look back on it sometimes like, damn, dude. <laughs> that's yeah, but that's, that's fine. I mean, I was in the, I was, of course, in the same boat, especially when I started doing podcasting. I was very much in the same boat where, you, you know, you have to build up that audience. And yeah. doing a show with Chris, like, he has a built-in audience. So it, it makes it easier for what I do. But uh, no, it's, and the thing is also, it's so much more accessible now than it was when I first started in, I guess you'd say old school radio in that you had to hit up like a publicist for everything. I mean, you still do for certain people, um, but you would get like press releases in the mail and, and I still do get some of that stuff. But the way like you just contacted me through Instagram, a lot of the people I get on, it's, it's through that. Cause I get asked all the time, how do you get this person on? Sometimes it's just, Oh, I sent them a message on Instagram and they said, yes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's really that simple. Yeah. You no, know? I think, I think people overcomplicate a lot of things. You yeah. You, well, you know, what struck me with you is that, that you sent me an actual video. I was like, this is really, that was, it felt very personal. I liked that. I've never done that. And, and it was actually great. I appreciate it, man. I just try to, um, it's just different. So I just figured I sent you a little selfie video or <laughs> that's what I do to a lot of people. It just kind of gets their attention. You know, anybody out there trying to get people on their podcast, it's gotten a little bit of traction for me you know, just kind of different. I always try to take a more pro personal approach if that makes sense. But, um, I agree. It's a good idea. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Um, what's probably some of the biggest differences between podcasting and radio. I know the radio, a lot of people that listen to that are transitioning over to podcasting, but you know, as someone who's done been in both spaces, um, what, what do you think is the biggest difference between both of them? Off the top of my head, one of them is definitely the formatics thing in that, if you listen to a podcast, you're listening from the top of the podcast, hopefully until the very end. But like, if you are listening to this show, the title already, you know what you're, you're getting into. You know that it's you and I speaking. Uh, with radio, you constantly have to reset because people are tuning in live at various times. So you constantly have to be like, hey, I'm speaking with Brendan on Signature 76 podcast. You have to do all that stuff. You have to take breaks. Um, so you have to fit things into, you know, a small time frame or whatever time frame it is with podcasts you can go as long and short as you want like i remember will sasso the comedian for a while was doing i think it was called like the the three minute podcast it had a number to it and they were all that that length uh you know and then like rogan is that episodes that go like six hours to, like the marathon it's insane yeah so there's really no rules it, you know especially with the language you could use there's no rules which sometimes i think is a negative um you know, I think it's cool that it's uncensored and you could throw in a few curse words here and there, but I, I actually do think it's a turnoff when it's just nonstop and not, I mean, I've had guests on where it's kind of nonstop. I'm just like, dude, okay, <laughs> you just want to be like, come on, can you yeah. tone it down a little bit? You know, not that it's offending anybody. It's just a verbal crush. So there's that. And um, what's the other thing I was going to say off the top? Because I'm just thinking of these off the top of my head. There was another one I was going to say, oh, I've mentioned this on the show before, the whole like broadcasting versus narrow casting uh, thing is that in traditional radio, you want to hit like a giant demographic of people. You, one thing is like, you don't want to offend anybody. You don't want to alienate anybody unless you're doing like a political show. Yeah. So that's why like Ryan Seacrest, right? Who's like one of the most successful broadcasters of all time. He's not going to say anything that's remotely controversial that's going to alienate anyone in his audience because he wants to appeal to everybody. So the topic discussions, like, what's your favorite color? I've heard Joe Rogan talk about that before. Like, he'll never be like, what do you think of the Derek Chauvin case? That is not your, you know, their wheelhouse. They need, they need that huge demographic. And with podcasts, you could have as narrow of a demographic as you want. And I've listened to shows like that. Like, if you watch that, I don't know if you did that, New York Times, Britney Spears uh, documentary. I haven't seen like, it. You did? I haven't. Oh, you haven't. Okay. It's, it's uh -huh. interesting then, but like, there's a Britney Spears Instagram podcast and it was like wildly successful. There, there, there's a podcast I listen to called Three Sides of the Coin, which I love. Shout out to those guys. And um, they talk about Kiss. They talk about Kiss albums. And they've been going strong for years, for like five years or something. <laughs> um, I had Izzy uh, Presley on, on our show and he compares like different 80s rock albums. He'll be like, you know, this Hysteria from Def Leppard or New Jersey by Bon Jovi. You could never do that on traditional radio. It's way yeah. too like specific. So that that's one of the big differences. It's, it's cool too, man. I mean, it's like, there's no middleman. 
Like, yes. otherwise you'd have like a network like above you, just like making sure you're not doing it. Like you said, not to be too controversial or, you know, polarizing. It's just, it's kind of the wild west. <laughs> yeah. Even when I worked at Sirius, um, it's, I always say like the people at the top, but they were literally at the top. So um, Sirius, at least, you know, when you were in a building in New York was set up at the 36th floor was all the studios. It's a really cool place to be. I will say Sounds 37th floor was most of the like executives and stuff. So I always thought of like those people up top, they're not on the air. And like, you always had to answer to them. So there were times I eventually got to fill in for Wilkow a few times, which was awesome. But there were people at the top that were like, no, you're not big enough yet. You, you don't have your own demographic. You, you know, you don't, you haven't built an audience. And yeah, with podcasting, like you don't have to answer to any of that. If you could do it on your own and you could build up this audience somehow, that's all that matters. There's, there's no like um, people to answer to. That, that are going to tell you, you can't do this or you can't do that. Because I always had that my whole career um, of people trying to stop something I was doing and uh, or they just didn't believe in me. And now, yeah, you you get to prove if what you're doing could be successful. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I kind of like how there's not like, you can't like the different episodes. I kind of like that because it the cream kind of just naturally rises to the top instead of people just looking for what's the most popular, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like on Instagram, if you want to find out as soon as you create an Instagram account, it says, okay, follow, you know, Kim Kardashian, follow, you know, Justin Bieber, all the people who have millions and millions and millions of followers. And it might do the same thing with podcasts like Joe Rogan and stuff pops to the top, but like, I feel like on a much more broad scale, like it doesn't, it's easier to, to find a more niche slash smaller podcast Maybe, maybe this is making sense. Maybe it's not, but you know, it just seems like it's a much more level playing field for, you know, smaller guys to be able to come in and be able to get an audience. It's my opinion. That's what it kind of seems. Yeah, it is. It is on some level at, at the same time um, for, for us, like I, I upload some stuff to YouTube, so that's a little different. But when I look at the plays on the podcast platforms, I do see like what people want to hear and what people don't um, just based on the lessons and, and it does suck in, in a sense because I notice with the titles, man, if you get a little clickbaity, that's what works. Like clickbait works. I, I hate to say it. Um, you know, Jack Murphy once said it to me, who I worked with. Uh, and, and for those who don't know, I think I said it earlier, but Army Ranger Green Beret, amazing journalist. He went on a rant once when we were doing our show way back. And it was true. He was saying, I could write a great piece about China, like Chinese economy. I could put all the work cited and like really go in depth, get some great interviews with people. And I know that if I write that article or I write an article about some douchebag like dressed as an army ranger at the mall, that's going to get more clicks. And he was like, so don't tell me this isn't what you people that this is what you guys don't, you know, you don't want to read that. This is what you want to read. Like, I see it. This is what you guys click on. Yeah. So like, I know for me, if I put like President Trump, President Biden in the in the title, and I hate to talk about it stuff because it's it's like all we talk about, it's going to yeah. get clicks. Uh, you know, you talk about like topics like gun control or abortion or whatever, as opposed to like something inspiring. That's what's going to get more clicks. Like people love negative energy. They love, I don't know. It, it, it sucks because I really do try my best to do like a really positive, inspiring show. But I also have to balance that out with what are people going to click on and listen to. But I, I try to do it without being clickbait. Yeah, you had to get them to show up first. Yeah. We live in, we live in an attention economy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we really do. You know, and, and people, like I said, will say like, oh, I, I'm so tired of these clickbait articles. I'm so tired. Of, one thing is people's like, people are like, I'm, I'm so tired of how everything is politics. And I am too. But they feed into that so much. They're like, the people saying it, I know that 99% of you, even if you're listening, like still click on those articles, even if they piss you off. Like just the most... Well, the the most absurd statements, you know, Maxine Waters says, well, like, that's what's going to get the clicks, as opposed to someone who has like a sensible middle of the road stance on something. Right. In a way, that's kind of frustrating now. <laughs> it know? is. Yeah, because the people who, like you mentioned, your friend that, you know, actually put out detailed, I'm sure truthful stuff, instead of just super polarizing, trying to get everybody to pit against each other you know, that's what gets the attention and this stuff that probably should be heard. that doesn't really get consumed. 
Yeah, he yeah. said it before, and I, I think my friend Alex Hollings, who I worked with as well, uh, Marine, I don't mean to like name drop. These are just things that I'm thinking of in my head. But um, I think he said the same thing that people um, like they'll do surveys nationally and stuff. And people are like, uh, I want the news without opinion. I just want to, you know, I just want to hear the facts of what's going on. But in reality, you look at what people watch. It's not what they want. They, they want something that's going to like reinform their view of the world. Because how many people watch C-SPAN as opposed to like Fox News or MSNBC, which are way more opinionated? You know, how many people like really follow AP news articles, not the opinion stuff on AP, which is pretty, you know, these are the facts of what's going on. Figure it out yourself. I don't know. People don't gravitate towards that stuff. Do you think that's part of the problem that we have right now is the fact that people just get stuck in these different echo chambers and they keep hearing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and you know, that just makes them more divided. Do you think that's part of the problem? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and we both want to be on like a certain team of, of ideology. I mean, I'm more right leaning on, on most issues. I'm definitely libertarian. I'm open about like who I've voted for in the past. And like, I was a big Ron Paul supporter. Um, but yeah, if I, if I agree with something like someone on the left is saying, I'll get accused of being like a socialist or something. And that's the furthest thing from what I am. But like, I like to learn the issue before I form an opinion. And and there's not a lot of that anymore. Yeah. Like you said, you have to pick a side. It's, it's us versus them. That's, I think that's a big problem because when it's like that, there's no dialogue like what we're having right now. You don't get to actually sit down. I was saying this in the last podcast. I want to be able to bring on more people onto this show who have different opinions than me. I'm like you, man. I, I traditionally lean more right on different things, but you know, when it comes to you know social socially, I'm I'm pretty liberal. You know, I don't really care what you do. Uh, I think more young people, even like, and I'm putting myself in the young people category because whatever, yeah. I'm I'm uh, you know about to be 35. I think that's still pretty young. I think we all generally are like conservatives and libertarians that are under 40. I think we're all kind of like that. I I you know. There's some, I mean, I think the bar has been changed as to like, when you say people doing their own thing, I think all of that has been changed a lot. It's not the same as it was like 10 years ago. Um, you know, and I don't know if you want to get into like with the transgender issues and stuff, like th those weren't even issues 10 years ago, but 10 years ago, it was like, yeah, I don't care what your, you know, sexuality is. If you want to serve in the military, if you want to get married, as long as it doesn't impact children or like me, that, that's completely fine with me. And that used to be libertarian or, or conservative, I guess. But now it's gotten to the point where it's just like, oh, well, you know, are you okay with someone uh, transitioning while in the military? Like, these are new issues. And it's just that the, I, we were talking about in a recent show, but like, there's always got to be something for us to fight over. That is, that's the truth. Yeah. That's the truth. There always has to be something for you to fight over. Yeah, it's never, it's never going to stop. And I think a lot of people feel like, oh, if we get this person in power, everything will be okay. And it's, it never works that way. I think that's on purpose too. Is yeah, it? oh, for sure. <laughs> the whole political system is set up, set up like that. The fact that we even have parties, you know, imagine if we didn't have parties. You just got to run on your ideas, like on different issues. Imagine that, yeah. It would be, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. What a time that would be if you just ran by space of the opinions you had <laughs> what a crazy idea you know huh that's funny um so what do you think is probably the biggest advice you have for growing a podcast because candidly this is this is the questions i'm asking you this entire time these are just as much for me as they <laughs> might be out there man so i'm just a sponge so I'm all ears no, that's cool. I mean, I think one thing, honestly, is getting on some big name guests and not being afraid to reach out to those big name guests. I think a lot of people, you know, look, if you just start, if you're just starting, starting a podcast, you're not going to get the rock on, you know, what being realistic here, that's just not going to happen, unless there's some like crazy incidents, but uh, or incidents, but I think people underestimate the level of guests that they can get on just by reaching out if, uh, you know, you have someone that you think appeals to your demographic and, and as long, you know, you don't have to say to them like, Hey, I'm just starting out. I, I think sound as professional as you can. Like, Hey, this is what who our demographic is. This is what we want to talk about. 
would love to have you on. And you might, a lot of people might be surprised who they're able to get on, especially sort of now. I was going to say everybody's inside their house, not so much now, but there, there's less going on than there was a year and a half ago. So you're, you know, for example, like we got Ted Nugent on. I don't know if uh, two years ago we would have gotten Ted Nugent on. I think at that time where people were generally inside their house, they were doing more and more interviews. So I think we may have gotten lucky with a guest like that. Um, but yeah, reach out to people that, that, that you think your audience wants to hear. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid to keep going. You might get uh, 10 people say, hey, I'm not able to make it work, but uh, appreciate reaching out or something like that. And, and you know, uh, the 11th person, you might be like, wow, we landed a, a really cool guest here. But you definitely have to get some notable people on, I think, because once again, that's what people click on. And if, from like, like I said, for me, if I was doing the Ian Scottle podcast, which I did at one point, I, I'm aware it's not going to get as many clicks as having Chris Peranto with me. Chris is a huge name, has, has a big draw. Yeah, but it's like that with anything, though. When you collaborate with people, you just get more eyeballs, you know? Yeah, I, but especially if you're collaborating with someone who has, like, a built-in audience, which, by you know, you're getting there with, with what you're doing in terms of, like, your Instagram reach, which I know is more from your brand, but the audience for that brand is going to listen to the podcast. Yeah, that's the goal, man. I mean, just trying to make these just parallel um yeah well i mean yeah i i agree just making it the so that they're complimenting each other can't really think of what i was trying to say there uh, no it's true like i you have a very patriotic pro-america brand right. and you you want that audience to check out your show who uh you know by having guests on from all different walks of life which i've seen i've li i've checked out your stuff like you've had powerlifters on and you've had athletes and and all different types of people and but they, they all have that same pro-america type values right I, I say this all the time i just feel like people that are speaking out for you know the value it doesn't have to be even before you know for america you have to be for that just for the good or for good values or good you know lessons there's not enough people that are just putting positive energy out there because if you look online it's all negative you know what i mean you yeah talked this earlier it's just an abundance of negativity i just feel like that's kind of we found a little you know same with you there's a lot of people that aren't doing what we're doing right now i feel like yeah and i think being pro-america should be a very positive message like i 100 believe and i know you do too that we live in the greatest country in the world and it's because of our constitution it's because of the rights that that we have been afforded that i mean that are basic human rights but that other places in the world don't have um so i i love living here i'll always stand up for america to me that has nothing to do with party it has nothing to do with the government it has to do with the constitution and and what we stand for so to, to me it's a very positive thing it's all about you know the individual and being able to exercise our freedoms. And I, I think that should be extremely liberating and positive. Yeah, well said. Um, so, I mean, working with someone who, who has a big personal brand, um, do you think that's one of the key building blocks to building a personal brand? Because I know that's kind of one of the, you know, the hot topics right now. A lot of people talk about you have to build a personal brand. I agree, you should. Um, do you think that podcasting is the best way to do that? Because you're able to, you know, sit down, you know, whether virtually through this or zoom or actually sit down with people record whatever it is you're doing chop that up into content and be able to put that on your social media you think that's probably the best way to do that it's funny man because i i really don't even know you know like i don't know if that's necessarily my area of expertise because i don't think i have like some massive brand or anything and chris also he'll say on the podcast like he kind of learned it as he went along from different people um different veterans who are out there in the public who were doing it prior to he was uh, prior to when he was. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think if you just love what you're doing and you're good at what you do, then people are going to come. Um, you know, someone who who doesn't gravitate towards this medium and is and just thinks that this is like a big craze, then no, it's, it's not going to work for them. But there's people who build a brand off, you know, taking pictures on Instagram. There's people who build a brand off podcasts. It definitely all revolves a lot around social media right now. So for sure, you do need to have a presence on social media if you want to build a brand. And it's also a double-edged sword um, in that 
you know, you're also opening yourself up to a lot of criticism and a lot of negativity and stuff like that. And I don't think having a, a brand is even necessarily like the, the greatest thing. I, I love the fact that like with my voice acting stuff, people don't even necessarily see me. They just hear me. They might've heard my voice somewhere. Um, but I'm not someone who gets like stopped everywhere. And I don't think I would ever want to be. I don't think I really aspire to that at all. Um, like some of the happiest people that I know, like the most well-adjusted people I know make really good money. They're in like finance and stuff like that. And they are not on any social media at all. They don't have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or any of that. They don't care about that. They don't care about being a public figure. They don't care about a brand. They would much rather have like a significant bank account. I was thinking like big bank account, low profile. I think that's the way to be. I'd much rather be that way than the opposite. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm the person to ask because I don't focus on that too much. I want everything I do, uh, honest, uh, being just candid here, like I want everything I do to be profitable, of course, um, you know, whether that's being under the radar or above the radar, uh, which, you know, the podcast, you're a little bit more of a public figure. You have to be out there a little bit more. The voiceover stuff, you're kind of anonymous. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily care either way. Like I said, I, I just don't, when I see like the level of someone who's super famous and can't live their life uh, without being stopped, that is not something I aspire to at all. Yeah. I think there's a level of diminishing returns when it comes to fame. Like, yeah, I, I feel, I'm by no means am I famous at all. But Neither of us. Yeah. <laughs> you get to a certain point where it's like, Oh, it's kind of cool. But like you reach a tipping point where it's like, I don't have any privacy, you know, I think that would suck, you know, like when you yeah. don't have any private, there's always people taking pictures of you. It'd be cool for a little while, but you know, that would get old very fast. I feel like. Yeah. The only time I've ever experienced it at all for myself to a minuscule level. So I don't sound like I've done anything important. Um, and you might too. Have you ever been to shock show? Uh-uh. Okay. You probably should go when once it opens up again. I, I don't know if this coming year. I mean, I would think so. It's good. It's usually in January. Did you know about Shot Show or what is it? What is that? So it's um, it, Shot is an acronym I think for shooting, hunting, outdoors. I actually don't know what the T is. Shooting, hunting, outdoors, something. But it's like all of that type of stuff at a convention in Las Vegas. So it's like the biggest names in the gun industry, the biggest names in like outdoor survival. And they pack out a convention center in Vegas, like multiple floors. So, I mean, that's very much your demographic, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's definitely our demographic. So I've been to about like five or six of those. That is the only time that like multiple times in a day I've gotten stopped. Either they hear me talking and they're like, you're Ian Scotto, right? Or, or like, and the crazy thing was there, there was even one day I was not even near the convention. I went by myself to see a concert. And I wasn't talking. I was by myself. Someone tapped me. You're Ian Scotto, right? Like, so I thought that was that was really cool. And it is like that is cool to experience at some level. Um, but and it's because my demographic is is there. Like, if anyone's gonna know me, it's gonna be that demo. Uh, and that's cool to experience. But would I want to experience that every day? Not necessarily. And when I walked around Shot Show with like the bigger names that I knew who were Navy SEALs and Army Rangers. It was like walking around with Michael Jordan at a basketball convention. They're like, they're like, oh my God, you're Chris Ferrato. Take a picture with me. Like, I think it would be it would be overwhelming for me. Yeah. That's super cool though. I had never heard yeah. of that. Shot Show. You should look into it, man, because I think you would, yeah, I, you should check out getting a booth and all that. Yeah. I don't know what it costs. I've never had to do any of that. I've just gone with the companies I've worked for, but Companies like yours are there and getting their name out there and networking with all the biggest guys in the industry. So you could probably run into someone, like I said, from Glock, from a different uh, knife company, from, you know, a different uh, uh, American apparel type company, like Rogue American Apparel. I remember they had a booth there. And these are great connections to have. Yeah. I've met so many awesome people at the SHOT Show. And I, I, they have awesome parties too, like Cry Precision. They have a themed party every year. I went one year where it was a Mario Kart theme. They had a real life Mario Kart track, like around a dance floor. And it was, you know, all different people from the firearms industry. It was fucking awesome, man. I loved it. 
that sounds fun man yeah and i'm not even like a party guy but like that's a party you got to go to <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool that was fun <laughs> so i mean while we're kind of on topic of this um how important is networking with you because i know that podcasting is a great way to build your network um why is that important and how have you you know prioritized that throughout your career in broadcasting so it, the weird thing for me is I'm definitely kind of an introvert. So I really don't like going out to network events, like meeting people, shaking hands with people. Like I've, I've done it. It's not necessarily my thing. I'm not the most social person. So it might surprise people that I do have all these connections, but all the connections that I've had have just been from meeting people who I thought were genuinely cool people who hopefully felt the same way about me. And it was done, but it was, just, you know what I mean? Done on a very real level. It wasn't like, oh, you can do something for me. I can do something for you. Let's swap information. I don't think things ever work out that way for the most part. When, like when I met Chris Peranto, for example, there was nothing I could really do for him. As far as I knew, there was nothing he could really do for me. We just liked each other as, as people. And years later, an idea came about. I, I think things organically kind of happen like that. Like if I think of every opportunity I've ever had in radio, like everything going from Fangoria to Sirius XM, working with Andrew Wilkow, um, working with Chris, working with um, the special ops guys I worked with, it was all just because I liked these people. I never set out to network with them. We just, we just hit it off as people and an opportunity came about. So I'm not like the biggest networking guy, but I, I do try to be a really genuine person and i connect with those type of people i don't like phoniness and when someone strikes me that way those aren't the type of people i tend to work with right yeah that makes sense um how much has podcasting and, and just being in the radio and that's this kind of scene how much has this helped you when it comes to communicate communicating with people Com <laughs> of course i gag or stutter or whatever it is when i'm saying <laughs> uh, how much has that helped you out just throughout doing this in your career and being a, I could tell for me before you answer this, it's definitely helped me become a better listener. Just learn to just shut the hell up when you ask a question. Um, I'm curious to hear, you know, some of the lessons you've learned from this. Brendan, the same thing has happened to me, especially when I started with podcasting, because um, I would interject way too much during interviews. And I would get comments that were like, well, I wish this interview would shut the hell up. And I got pounded. <laughs> with yeah. negative reviews i remember like my first few when i was early in podcasting out of radio i got i got pounded because i was replacing a guy on a show who the audience really liked and no one ever really likes anything new it's always like who the hell is this guy even if they're great you know like if you, if there's a show that you loved you love everything about the show and they replaced one of the main people with someone like you're going to have a negative impression immediately. You're just going to, because I'll give you an example. People don't even realize this. Um, the Man Show with Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Adam Carolla, it, they got replaced. Do you remember this? Because it's probably way before yeah, your time. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Okay. It was a funny show on Comedy Central. They got replaced by two different people. And I remember people being like, this show sucks. These guys aren't funny. Like, and they were two no-name people. I didn't realize until years later, one of those guys was Joe Rogan, who went on to be like massively successful. So like even him, who's great at what he does, if he's replacing someone, you're going to be like, what is this? So I, I was in that position where I was replacing um, someone and I got hammered on the comments for that reason. And yeah, I, I was like, okay, people want me to kind of, you know, sit back and let someone answer the question and not interject every two seconds. And I've definitely gotten better at that. I probably still do interject too much. I interject way more than you do. If I'm being honest, I do, I do interrupt a little bit too much. It's just probably in my nature. I do listen back to some episodes, even all these years later, like recent ones and cringe. And I'm just like, dude, shut up, let them answer the question. But it's just, it's kind of nature to jump in there. So yeah, I have gotten better. I think at communicating through this, and I'm sure you do the same thing. I listen back and edit every episode. I don't really do much editing, um, but I, I also don't want to post something until I've heard it because if there's like an audio error or something, I, you know, I want to know that it's there before I post it. So listening to myself as much as I have to 
yeah, you do get, I think, really good at this because you're able to, you're always like your worst critic and you're always able to be like, wow, this sucked, this sucked, this sucked. Don't do that again. Yet still, there'll be episodes, you know, even in recent memory where I do the same things I don't like and I have to go back and change that. Uh, it's a constant learning process. Yeah, listening to yourself is rough sometimes. <laughs> yeah, when I first started out on this, it was horrendous. I mean, <laughs> that was like pulling teeth. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's not good. I'm sure it's probably the same way when you started and everybody else started. It's just Yeah, I'll yeah. be honest. Like I've never just being real. I've never been someone who hated my voice or anything like that. I don't think I would do this if I hated my voice because it's a lot of your voice. Um, you know, like I'd much rather listen to myself than look at myself. Like I would never want to be a model or something. I, I think my voice is better than like my image. So uh, <laughs> to be like self-deprecating, it's just, you know, it's true. Uh, so yeah, I don't, but what what is very cringe to me even still is when you're just like, because this is such a live medium that nothing is rehearsed, nothing is scripted. So there's so many times where you listen back, you're like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Yeah, you, and you have to, you have to be uh, harsh on yourself or else you won't improve. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It is a very real, real, I think probably the realest, the realest medium, um, you know, outside of YouTube, we can actually maybe see somebody, but I mean, you can't really be fake on when you're recording something like this, like long form content. It's hard to be fake when it's like that. There's something. Yeah. I mean, the worst, the hardest really is radio because you live radio, because you can't edit anything. And so, so many times people get, you know, air fingers quote canceled because they said 20 seconds of something taken out of context on like a four hour radio show, <laughs> you know, and, and if they listen to the full context, maybe they'd realize that it's not, it's not what you think it is. So that's always the worst with podcasting. The one good thing is, as I said, I don't really edit a lot, but there are times where even a guest will say something that I think could come off bad. And I'll just text them just as a friend and just be like, Hey, you, you might want me to edit this out. And they'll be like, yeah, edit that out. Thanks for letting me know. Thanks for giving me a heads up because I don't, I don't want to be that guy. But yeah, I've had people say stuff that could, that could be um, interpreted really negatively and I'll edit it out, you know, because I don't want them to get slammed on social media for something that they didn't mean to be said in that way. Yeah, I, I can't imagine the the stuff that comes at you with with radio live radio it's being recorded and it's live so like you can't go back and chop it up but it's always going to be there if that makes sense yeah like, and it hurts it hurts a lot of people's ego i think the people that always have to be right on everything because no one is right on everything everybody gets statistics and stuff right i'm not going to say names but like there are certain radio personalities especially in the political medium where they get something wrong and they're afraid that they're not the type to just go on the air and say, hey, last segment I said this, I, someone just sent me something, I got this completely wrong. I, you have to really put your ego aside and, and do that. You know, I, I don't think you have to be, you know, like in this culture where you have to apologize for everything. I think it's ridiculous. But if you get a statistic wrong, if you get, you know, there's nothing wrong, there shouldn't be nothing wrong with going back and saying like, hey, I, I got this wrong, I apologize. That's okay. I, most of the time when someone does that, I respect them a lot more. I don't think people understand that. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. There's been many times I've gone back on a show and, and I got something wrong and that's fine. That's human. Yeah. And I think people appreciate that. You know, if you just said something wrong, you didn't say anything about it. I mean, they're going to wonder what else you're saying wrong, you know? Yeah, I think some, there's a lot, this, this medium has a lot of people though with big egos it, like just by nature, it, it, which is understandable. Like if you think what you're saying is so important that the world needs to hear it, which is like what we're doing. A lot of the times you have this like God complex that uh, your audience has to like worship you and, and you're correct on everything. And I, I don't, I, I do not have an ego like that. And I never want to. Yeah. Well, what we're saying right now, this, this definitely does qualify for that kind of stuff though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, what do you think is the biggest lesson you've learned from doing this, from being hmm. in the, the media scene? Man, that, that's like a tough question. Uh, the hard, the biggest thing I've learned, I, I mean, one thing is that this is ever changing 
And if I'm going to be completely honest with people, if someone was listening to this, aspiring to do this, it is not stable in the very least. Uh, it, it's like a very, it's almost like being in a band, like how I have friends in bands where there's highs and lows. Um, there are much more stable careers. There are people who are like giants in radio that are no one now. And it's because it's an ever-changing medium. Um, you know, I've been doing this 15 years, which to some people sounds like a lot. To some people, it's, you know, to someone like Howard Stern, it's not a lot. Like, I've been doing it far longer. But when I started, there was no such thing as podcasting. There was just AM, FM radio. Uh, satellite radio was just in its infancy. And if I look at what I learned there some of it transfers over and some of it doesn't. And I wish I would have learned like video and stuff like that. Nowadays, you have to know everything. You have to know how to edit video, edit audio. Like you have to be a jack of all trades and I am not on, on everything. So I think I could be bigger now than, than I, than I am currently. If, if I would know certain things that I, that I don't, and maybe I should learn that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just a tough question because I don't know. Uh, I think if you like, if you have a passion for anything, you should go for it. But if you go into this field aspiring to be like the next Joe Rogan or the next Howard Stern and to have like a hundred million dollar deal like Joe Rogan had, it's extremely rare. So if you're someone who's like extremely money focused, I don't know if this is the best medium to be in. Yeah. No. I I completely agree. Very well said. I mean, we don't really make any money off this, this podcast. This is kind of just like a passion project, honestly. But, but Which is normal. I, I would say, I don't, I, I don't know statistically, but I would guess 95 to 97% of podcasts don't make money, which by, is like why I'm extremely grateful that we have sponsors and we're able to bring in a profit. It's not a huge profit, but it's a profit. And I, I am forever grateful for that. Yeah. And, it, and it takes a while to get to that. Yeah. No, yeah, I completely agree. It's just, it's just cool to be able to sit down and, and speak to people. It sounds simple. I mean, this isn't any groundbreaking stuff, just talking to people. But I think that most people would be surprised at how little they talk to people on a daily basis. You know, it's, it's refreshing, at least for me. It's kind of like therapy. Well, right now, especially right now. What, yeah. what state are you in again? Uh, we're in Illinois. Okay. Yeah, so you're probably in the same position as I am. Like I'm in, I'm on Long Island, which is nowhere near as bad as New York city in terms of how people have handled this in terms of like the ridiculous reaction to it. Um, but nonetheless, like we're not in Florida where, and I've been to Florida where like everything is completely opened up entirely. And, And like, I'm not giving an opinion here, but it's just the truth. It's like, most people are not wearing masks everywhere. Everything is completely open up. So yeah, that social component of life that we all have, that we all need, it's there and it's not here. So one of, one of the most important things to me in, in life and that like I look forward to every day that changed during all this is, you know, for example, I go to Starbucks, not necessarily because uh, I can't just make that at home. You never know who you're going to run into. You never know what type of conversation you're going to have. I don't want to live in this world where like everything is delivered to my house and I don't have a need to go anywhere. I don't want to live in like a home like Oprah Oprah Winfrey has where like everything is there, where you have a gym in your house. Like I like going to the gym and meeting people. I miss when the sauna was open at my gym because I had some of the greatest conversations with random people in there about everything from politics to podcasting to like Bitcoin and stocks. And I've made friends. I like in just everyday different scenarios. Uh, so yeah, we, we miss that. Like we're, we're by nature, we like to get out and talk to different people and we're very much missing that. I love going to concerts. I like going to casinos. I, I like, I, I'm, I'm an introvert, like I said, to some degree, but I also need to have some socialization. It, it's important. Completely agree. Completely agree. Sauna conversations hit different, man. <laughs> be in a sauna, just talking to some some dude that's sitting there naked right next to you. Some of the best conversations you ever had in your life, man. Hey, I I will say I've never been in the sauna naked, so it's that it's never been completed. <laughs> that would be because because this already to some people might sound a little uh, suspect, 
you know, I, I both of us, I, I believe, are both, you know, straight males. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, if anyone has never had, like, a good sauna conversation, like, yeah, there's nothing uh, homoerotic going on about it, you know, unless that's what you're into, it's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you just, I, where I went, uh, UFC gym was like a 24 seven gym. It's getting back to that. But, um, like it was like late night after the gym, I just get into all different conversations with people. And, and I love that, man. Uh, I, I like talking to different people. So yeah, I guess with podcasting, we at least kept that in our life and, and people need to keep that in, in their lives. Um, like my best friend, in, in the world lives in Arizona. I haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks, but for the most part during all this week, we spoke on the phone probably about an hour every week. I would talk to him. He would tell me what was going on with his wife, what was going on there in Arizona. I'd tell him what I'm up to. And I like doing that way more than just texting. I, I think we need to have a little bit of that. I, I, I think like too much technology is not a good thing. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned earlier some of the happiest people you know are not on social media or at least prioritizing that. I think that's, you know, the absence of all this information definitely leads to a much more simple, you know, happy life. Dude, I'll give you an example. And I, I said this um, on the podcast once because it was recent. Like if you compare the dopamine hit of getting like all these likes on a photo or something, which is all bullshit, like, you know, whatever. Uh, I was at the gym a few weeks ago and I was attempting a deadlift of, I don't remember how much it wasn't a PR or anything. My, uh, do you, and you lift too, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. So, um, my hands kept falling off the bar. My hands kept slipping off the bar. I was able to pick it up. I could tell but my hands just kept sliding and I never used chalk before. I always have my headphones blasting. So I'm not paying attention to everyone. I'm just doing my own thing. I figure everybody else is doing their own thing. So I attempted this thing two or three times and then I was just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm, I'm getting out of here. Some guy, you know, tapped me on the shoulder, I think. And he's like, hey, man, let me give you some chalk. I know that you could lift that. Like, I could see that you're fine. Your hands are just sliding. Like, you got this. Here's some chalk. You got it. It was the first time ever using it. And I picked it up. And, like, this guy doesn't know that that one, like, the, that one conversation of encouragement completely made my day. That, that was the highlight of my day. And just doing something simple like that could really make someone feel good about themselves as opposed to just like, oh, I got a hundred likes on this picture. It's, it's not personal, you know, I, so just doing good things like that, you know, holding the door for someone and, and just these everyday like good deeds that we could do, I think, or, you know, if you could volunteer your time somewhere, that stuff really makes a difference in people's lives as opposed to like a lot of the, in my opinion, nonsense that we focus on too much. No, I, I completely agree with that as well. Um, just prioritizing these more personal, you know, connection, you know, whether it be through talking to somebody or holding the door open, like you said, um, it just makes you feel good too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Them. Just, I think that so many of the problems that we struggle with or that, at least we see going on could be just, just solved by everybody just being a, a better human being. Yeah. We, we also just strive to be like the best version of ourselves every day. Yeah. Yeah, man. Awesome. So my last question is this, um, what are some of the things that you've done to improve um, being a better communicator? Cause I, I could just tell to speaking to you, you're a good communicator. You're a good listener. Um, you what, too. You too. I appreciate it. You're man. great at this. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things you've done to improve that? I mean, you probably can say just talking to more people, but, um, you know, are there any like tips, strategies that you use when it comes to just connecting with people and, and building good relationships? Well, as I said, li listening back to everything I record is huge. I think you should always listen back to everything that you record because you're going to notice what works and what doesn't work. And then listening to people's feedback, if it, even, even if it's very negative, you, you have to listen to it. Um, cause as I said, there were points where I was getting nothing but negative feedback and I had to, you know, I had to take a step back and be like, a lot of this is correct. Um, you know, I think it's people's instinct in this like feel good type culture, you know, like everything is uh, every, you know, everybody gets a participation trophy, that type of thing where you'll just say, Oh, these people are all haters. Just ignore them. There's a difference between constructive criticism and being a hater. If, if someone's comment is like, fuck you, you suck, that's, that's negative and that is not constructive at all. 
if someone, even if they're rude about it, but if someone is like, hey, I don't like this show because blah, 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 you know, list of comments here and you're getting it multiple times, you might be, you, should, you know, you should take a step back and be like, okay, I could use some of this, even if it's not said in the most polite way. Um, you know, don't take it all to heart. Sometimes you could be like, hey, this person's wrong. I'm, I'm not going to uh, go along with this. But if you start finding yourself saying everyone is a hater and I know what I'm doing, you might be the person who's wrong. So I think, you know, taking criticism uh, like a man or like a woman, whatever, uh, and uh, and listening back to, to what you do, what you like, what you don't like, and uh, and also not letting it get you down, man. One of the most inspiring things that I see is is people who are brilliant at what they do really having an off day uh you know joe rogan has podcasts where a lot of the comments are like this was not a good show on yeah. him you know I, I actually remember the first show i think it was the first show joe did in his new studio it was a lot of negative feedback they were like is joe really high joe keeps interrupting i can't i i'm not like getting anything from this guest because he's not letting him get his points across and joe is obviously great at what he does we all have off days um i am a huge Eddie Van Halen fan, rest in peace. There's a period of time where you could look up uh, videos of him on YouTube so long, and he sounded bad, man. The guitar was out of tune. He did not, he was not in his A game. And yeah, there was a period of time at the end of, you know, for Van Halen fans, like the end of the Sammy Hagar years, where I think he was struggling with some substance abuse. He looked bad. It all came out on stage and he had some really bad shows. Does that, does that change your opinion of him, of being, I think the greatest guitar player to ever live. No, like we all have off nights. So if you have a passion for what you do and you think you're good for what you good at what you do, um, don't, don't quit. Don't give up on yourself. Well said. And everybody starts out at the exact same level. You know what I mean? Everybody, everybody sucks at first. <laughs> Just yeah, to varying degrees though, to varying degrees. Cause I think there's, I've heard it before where like, for example, when, when I worked at Sirius XM and we'd have a fill-in host, there were fill-in hosts um, for different people I worked with where I could honestly say, and I wouldn't say it to their face or anything, not only is this person not good, but they don't have it. Like they don't have that thing and they should do something else. And that was my genuine opinion. Um, do you know Buck Sexton? Yeah. Okay. I've heard the name before, I believe. Yeah. He's, he, uh, Fills in for Rush Limbaugh occasionally when Rush was alive. He he does a talk radio show. I saw Buck's first ever radio show. Buck filled in for Andrew Wilkow. First time ever doing a three-hour radio show, which is, I mean, that's a trial by fire. That you were on a show 12 to 3 that has a built-in huge audience. W was Buck amazing at first? No, I'm not, I'm not going to say it was like the greatest show I ever heard. But you were able to tell this guy has it. He's got that thing and he's going to be great at this. I think there was even a moment where the phones went down and he just had to talk for a really extended period of time and he did not struggle at all. You know, and that's definitely a test. If, you know, if the phones go down and you're in there by yourself and you got to talk for 30 minutes nonstop, that's pretty tough. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily everybody starts off at the same level because I have heard people say like, oh, I really, I, you know, my first show sucked. I was terrible. I don't know if I feel that way about myself. If, if I were to listen back to my first show, which I don't have, I have like my first interview somewhere. It was not as good as I am now. My voice was not as good. I was not as polished. I'm going to be honest. I don't think it sucked though. I don't, I think people could listen and say, there's something here. Um, if, if people get a chance, like there's a 30 for 30 on Mike and the Mad Dog, legendary New York sports radio show. Those guys got paired up by the station to do a show together and they hated each other they really did not get along and they went to the program director or manager or something after their first show and they were like we don't like this you're gonna have to separate us we don't want to do the show together and to, to whoever this program director's credit was he's like no you guys got something here you might not realize it but like you're i'm having you do the show together if, if you don't want to, uh, you know, work together, then you could leave. Uh, this is the show. Huh. And it became an absolutely legendary show. So I think there are times people could hear something, even if it's early on and say like, there's something here. Um, you know, when someone, I think, you know, when someone doesn't have it.
you know, it's a, like to say that we all start at the same level that I don't, I don't agree with, man. It's like saying, if you watch, I don't know, like a peewee league of hockey, there's going to be a kid who, who you're like, this kid's got it. And this kid does not Yeah. That's a much better way to express what I was trying to say. It's like, okay. It's okay, man. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And you said something earlier. I agree. We all are, you know, our biggest critics. That's why it is hard to, you know, listen to, you know, yourself talk and, and go through those recordings. I agree though, that it's very important. Um, awesome. I guess my, my final question is this, do you have anybody that you like study to, you know, learn, like, for example, in my case, uh, when it comes to listening to people, I think one of the best people out there is Joe Rogan. I mean, like it's, you very rarely find him cutting someone off or, you know, interrupting them. He's just very, very silent. I, spe- I feel like, especially in this, you know, if you're on the street, I feel like that's much more acceptable to jump in. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, to kind of feel more, jump into the conversation but when someone has the the earplugs in and they're listening they don't want to hear that they want to hear the other person speaking would you agree with that yeah it's it's also hard to hold back i i think it's like a skill to be able to just hold uh, to not jump in i i think sometimes it's okay it shouldn't be excessive um and like i said i'm probably guilty of being excessive with it sometimes uh so who I, I don't know if I necessarily studied anyone as much as I listened to different shows and I probably took different things from them along the way. Um, so like my biggest influences, I would say Joe Rogan is definitely one of them. Howard Stern, Opie and Anthony, Larry King. I got to meet Larry King. Larry King, I think totally embodies what you're talking about. He was awesome. Uh, and, and he's probably before your time, right? Yeah, I saw you post about him on, on your Instagram. I'm a little too, I, I never really got to listen to him, but I know he's like one of the, one of the greats. Yeah, he really is. Like he, he, you know, cause he was on CNN. He is so much different than anything on TV today. Um, in terms of like that interview type of show, he kind of was Joe Rogan before Joe Rogan in a sense, but on a TV format, the crazy thing about him is he would always get a great interview. And sometimes he had no clue who he was interviewing. And it was, it was obvious. I don't think he did much prep. I don't think he even like researched some of the people he was interviewing yet. He was somehow great at it. He would like, he was great at improvising, but uh, like I'm a huge Motley Crue fan. He interviewed Motley Crue. He got their names wrong. He, he didn't understand like that because they were doing a show in Vegas, but they were touring. So they were going from Vegas to, I don't know, New Mexico or something he was under the impression they were doing like a Vegas show, like a Vegas residency. He had no idea what was going on. Um, like when he interviewed Roseanne Barr, he, he admitted that he's never used the internet. He's like, I don't know how to use it. What do you click on buttons? This is literally what he said. Um, so he was, he was like an older dude who had no idea what was going on, yet he was, he was awesome. He was legendary. So he is a huge influence on me. And I, I will always cherish that I got to meet him. Uh, you know, Will Cow, I listened to, when I was, uh, before I ever met Andrew Will Cow, and I would just go to classes at Hofstra for radio. I would be late to class countless times because I would be glued to Sirius XM listening to whatever Andrew Will Cow had to say. I was late all the time because of that. So I, he was a huge influence on me. Uh, Cavino and Rich, Love those guys. Opie and Anthony, before, you know, they separated. I love those guys. Definitely a big influence on me. Mike and the Mad Dog, who I mentioned. I think Mike Francesa. I'm not even a sports talk guy, but, you know, they're great at what they do. Uh, man, there's so many greats in radio. I'm trying to think of some others. Uh, Stephen A. Smith is is awesome at what he does. So uh, I think that's just about everybody uh, of, like, the really big influences on me. But at the same time, I try to be original with what I do. I don't think I copy anyone's style. I think I have my own unique thing going on. Oh, and, and then also like in music radio, um, like I grew up with K-Rock 92.3 and then I was working with Kane from who used to be a host on K-Rock. And I got to like say to him, we were at a corn concert together. I, I got to be like, because he worked with me at Sirius XM, but I never worked like with him. So it wasn't until like, I think I had a couple of beers and he probably had a couple of beers. I don't even drink anymore, but this was a while ago at the corn concert. I was able to be like, yo, I don't think you know me, but like we both work at Sirius. I just want to let you know, like I grew up listening to you on K-Rock. Like 
you're probably part of the reason I do what I do. So like, that's a big one. A lot of different people. I think it's just a, uh, I, I guess, uh, montage of all these different people I've, I've gotten into over the years. That's awesome, man. Awesome, Ian. Um, where can people find you on social media? Where can they find your podcast? So at Ian Scotto on Twitter, on Instagram. I, I don't do TikTok or any of that. Um, and Battleline Podcast, everywhere podcasts are found. Uh, listen because don't listen for me. Listen because of Chris Peranto. I mean, I get to work with a genuine hero who uh, was there during Benghazi, who saved lives. Uh, and who told the true story of what went on there and, and still manages to do some amazing speaking engagements and be an extremely inspiring guy. Uh, so I love working with him and you could find him on, on that page as well. So yeah, Battleline Podcast uh, on Instagram, Battleline Pod on Twitter and uh, check it out, man. But I've, I've loved doing this show and I'm going to shout Signature 76 out on the next Battleline for sure. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Those of you listening, definitely go check it out. You've had a lot of impressive guests on the show. I mean, I think you have like close to 200 episodes, I believe. No, 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 no. Not on that one yet. We're, we're 70 something. Oh, seven. Yeah, I got that mixed up. No, it's okay. I mean, I, I did, I think 300 or something with soft rep way back. So that could be it. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think under my belt, I have like, I don't know, like the 10,000 hours that makes you an expert in something, so, you know, but uh, no, with that, it's relatively new, man. We started in November of 2019. I think I might be getting you mixed up with Jason Piccolo's podcast. Oh, yeah, we had him on. Yeah, I, I know you had him, Gary Brugman. We did Jason yeah. on Monday, Gary yesterday, you today. So kind of. Dude, back. how awesome is Gary Brugman? Wasn't it cool talking to him? Because. Um, that that presidential pardon i thought was the coolest thing like i i said it on the, sh the show that i had because i got to meet him before he got pardoned by president trump i did not think being honest i didn't think there was any chance he was ever getting pardoned i thought it was a complete dream and uh when it happened i couldn't have been more happy for the guy because he really deserved it because he was waiting for a long time I, I told him yesterday i said man this is probably you know in my amateur career of podcasting thus far, I've, I've spoken to some pretty cool people, I think. And this is by far one of my favorite conversations. <laughs> like, it's just, he's an inspiring dude. He's a, he's a good dude. I like him. He really is. But I mean, you got to think about like, could you imagine just going to jail and being convicted felon all those years and that holding you back from jobs uh, just for doing what you were supposed to do for protect, protecting the border as a border patrol agent. Um, you know, and before I met him, I didn't hear the whole story. So there was a lot, there's always a lot of people who are like, oh, I did nothing wrong. I should get pardoned. And I didn't know what to believe. But when I heard the story from him, it's like, wow, this guy was clearly in the right. You know, no one even got hurt. <laughs> you know, it's, he didn't, he didn't physically even injure anybody. You know, he like shoved someone to the ground and that's about it. I couldn't imagine having to go to jail for that. Hearing that pissed me off, man. I'm sure a lot of people are probably this exact same way. It's, it's frustrating. It makes you wonder how many times that happens when you don't ever hear about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of guys in military prisons for stuff that they should absolutely be freed for. I'm not one of these people who thinks they all should. Uh, there's There's been certain cases that that uh, I think were problematic. Uh, they, of course, there's war criminals on, on all sides, you know, even fighting for America. It's just the truth. But a guy like Gary, not at all, man. He's a hero. Well said. Awesome, man. I want to be respectful of your time, my man. Um, thanks so much for coming on. For those of you listening, make sure you go check him out. Follow him on social media. Listen to his podcast. Uh, and just support this guy however you can. I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. Thank you, Brandon. Awesome, buddy.